So, David. So, Michelle. What a year it's been. I don't know if you're feeling the weight of responsibility on continuing to deliver, but I am feeling it. I'm bugging. <laughs> and you sound, you sounded quite like, I don't know. Uh, no, no, words, no, no. words are coming out. Love well, I do spend, when I'm not here with you, yes. I do spend my days reading news every single day. Every single day. On air, and it, it does take it out of you. I yeah, it does. There's been a lot going on. I spend my days teaching young children how to make things up. So, if a child <laughs> has been working with me and is lying to you, Congratulations, yes. you've spent your money well. Yeah. Now, the whole thing is I went down a rabbit hole. I'm really oh, sorry. Oh, my God, I'm so shocked. Yeah, shocked. Shocked. David read something and yes. then disappeared into the internet. Yeah. Um, and it all comes down to mm-hmm. the People's Liberation Army, Navy. Yep. I love the way it's the People's, People's Liberation, Liberation Army, Army, Navy. Navy. Right, so the Chinese Navy went banging away at some Australian divers with active sonar. Now, it's not a good thing to do. No, and, and they denied it. Oh, they denied it. Of course they denied it. And, but it became a big issue in Parliament yes. when opposition leader Peter Dutton kept getting up Correctly. going, did you speak to Correctly. She? Well, but that's, that was, when you say correctly, this is what I want to talk about today, right? Yep. Because there... Was it correctly? Was it correct what he was doing? So this is the thing. I went, well, should he be asking those questions? And what is the normal thing that happens when you meet another world leader on the Mm. sidelines of a world forum? Okay, well, let's do it. And down the rabbit hole we went. Yeah, I can tell. Red pill, blue pill. Red pill, this will all end quickly. Blue pill, let's see where the rabbit hole really goes. Let's just take both. Okay. You're listening to I Spied, the sheer lingerie of Australian intelligence. Transparent. Do you like it? I can see right through it. Yeah. Ooh, probably shouldn't have gone with a crutchless under. Actually, yeah, I think I've seen too much. Oh, yeah. that's Just put it back on. That's wrong. Go away. Hello and welcome to I Spied. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and we've taken both the pills, the red and the blue, because we want to go down the rabbit hole, but we want to do it quickly. Yeah, I'm tripping out. Right, yep. so basically the uh, what happened was the HMAS Toowoomba yes. on patrol yes. up in the South China Sea yep. got a fishing net caught around uh, its front. Off its Japan propeller. too. Yeah, it was in off- international waters off Japan. International waters, but within the Japanese economic zone. Yep. We discussed that uh, yep. in a former episode. Now, the whole thing is they got a fishing net caught in their propeller. Yep. So they sent a couple of divers down, divers yep. there with their knives, cutting away. And then a Chinese warship so- showed up and then started pinging away with active sonar. Yes. Now, and w- one was injured quite seriously. Yeah, some serious injuries. Like getting hit with sonar underwater, can, particularly at close range, can be incredibly uncomfortable yep. and dangerous and does stuff for your ear, your inner ear, your brain, yep. your stomach, the whole ball of wax. So basically these guys got hit with active sonar. Yep. The Australians were going, whoa, 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 stop, we've got guys in the water. And yeah. the Chinese were like going, yeah, can't be bothered, we're turning up the subwoofer. Yeah. And bang, 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 it went. Now that became- But a- then they denied that they ever did that. Wah, wah. It wasn't what? us. What? 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 That was a different Chinese oh, ship that a, looked like us. Somebody else was playing with yeah. their speakers. Right, so there was the big denial. Now, this came just after Prime Minister Anthony Albanese Met had with Xi. Xi Jinping. Right, so yep. the big thing was in Parliament. Trade. The big thing was trade. Was trade. Yeah, that was the big <laughs> thing. The big thing is trade. Let's be honest. It's we, always trade. Yeah, look, please don't ping us and can we have your money? Yeah, and also um, don't care about your human rights record, but can we sell wheat? Yeah, can we? Can we <laughs> We got all this barley and wine yeah, that we're not yeah, doing yeah, anything. Yeah. What a lobster! Uh, I mean, and interestingly, how the Chinese never say no to our buildy dirt, but always say no to our oh, seafood. 
Yeah, 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 well, yeah, they can always get seafood, but building yep. dirt, that's hard to get your hands yeah. on. And the, the magic dirt, ooh, they want that too. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Peter Dutton got up in Parliament and has repeatedly asked Anthony Albanese, mm. what happened? Did you approach and what did you say to Xi Jinping when you met him at APAC later on? And the thing is, Anthony Albanese has, quite logically, mm. been very cagey with his answer. Because, you know, these conversations that happen on the sidelines of these forums are kind of national security relevant. Well, but also he said it was brought up, but he was not brought up by him. Yeah. Now, th- again, that's another way of hedging your bets. Now, he's not going to walk up and go, hey, bro, what was going on? You guys banging away with Sona. But he could have easily just said it was discussed. But I don't know. I would say that leader to leader, like if that was Australian America, you would go, hang on, just, and also just... Can he not do that? Yeah, but we're de- that's that's where we're dealing with an ally yes. as opposed to dealing with a trading partner. Yeah, and there is a different thing. Now, the whole thing is, you know, Albo could have walked up and gone, bro, what's going on? You're just pinging ping, ping away. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 bro. It was just, no. We no. don't like the pingers. No, we weren't doing that, man. We were just, we were just laying some tasty beats down with yeah. our Chilean dive doof, right? Yeah. So the whole thing was they basically turned around and he said, look, it's been addressed. Can we leave mm. it alone? Now, Personally, I think what's going on is it's a bit of political chicanery. Mm. It's a way of scoring points and saying we're weak on national security. But what's really interesting about this is how transparent is the Australian government? Yeah. Now, so I went, okay, how transparent are we? I asked the question and, oh, my God, I wish I didn't ask that question because according to most experts, Australia is the least transparent member of the Five Eyes organisation. Makes absolute sense. Right. I don't think we've, we're have we completely transparent at all. I we're, don't think we're ever being transparent. No, no, no. Now, the interesting thing about this is a couple of things that have kind of eroded the trust in Australian transparency. Mm. One was the AFP raids on Anika Smith and also the yep. ABC. And also whenever journalists ask for freedom of information, it takes a very long time or it does not happen. Currently speaking, and I don't have the exact figure, but the current figure is around about 7.5% of all FOI requests are responded to within the 30-day limit. And it's crazy. Which is incredibly bad. And what's also the interesting- And they do that intentionally. Well, intentionally what they've also done is they've pretty much- basically demolished every FOI Mm. department in every department. So Mm. any little body that's there to deal with FOI. And one of the jobs I did when I worked for ASIO was archival, not FOI. Any intelligence service in the country is exempt from FOI, but they're not exempt from archive searches. Now, an archive search is like 30 years on, we can now look at those records. An FOI search is, I need to look at that email that Mm. I sent you two weeks ago, right? So this is the way of basically compartmentalizing your intelligence, compartmentalizing your information, but it's happening right across the board. Now, the other thing that hasn't done well for us is we've had... Certain political leaders, or we'll name one, Scott Morrison, who basically turned around and said to journalists, be very careful if you bring up anything to do with sexual harassment right. in Parliament, which, again, the whole Bruce Lerman case, which everyone's currently watching and commenting on on Twitter at the moment, that has caused a major problem with transparency because it smells of a cover-up. There is mm. there is the potential of cover-up in there, and it's like if you're covering up this, what else are you covering up? What yeah. don't we know? Now, in the... RFS Press Freedom Index, Australia sits at number 25, which you'd think is a bit odd. Mm. I would have thought it's higher. Now, we're behind Suriname. Now, Suriname is a fun little nation where it has a a law where if you express hatred towards the government, you can face up to seven years in prison. Right. Now, that is if if you're a journalist and you write something down saying, look, I'm really angry with the government for the following reasons, you could face trial. Right. Right. Now, the interesting thing about it is, 
if you go back to what's happened in Australia in mm. the last 20 years, so post 9-11 is a really great way of looking at it, post 9-11 and pre-9-11. Pre-9-11, we had actually no terrorism laws on the book. Right. No federal terrorism laws whatsoever. They were all dealt with as crime. Since 9-11, we have had no fewer than 92 laws come out covering terrorism and espionage, right? And out of that's about 5,000 pages of material. And out of that, of all of them, mm. only one has been repealed. Right. right. So this is we've gone from being a very, very open society to a very, very closed society security wise. And what the problem is, is we have now got the most complex international security legislation in the Western world. Right. Right. And this is the thing that's happened to Australia is our transparency has been really, 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 really ground down. And there's a couple of factors that have sort of created this. One is the governments don't know, want you to know what they're doing. Bingo. Right. <laughs> a lot. I mean, if you look at the whistleblowers that have come out, particularly McBride. Yeah, and we need to like, we need to talk about McBride, but I think we'll wait till the dust settles a bit on that. Yeah, we need yeah. To, the dust settle. The other one is Witness K, which we haven't talked yeah. about, which is the Timor, mm. the bugging of the Timor yep. cabinet rooms. More than anything else, look, to be perfectly honest, when I heard about that operation, I went, slick operation, boys, well done. Mm. I mean, to be perfectly honest, you're going into a trade negotiation. You want to know, yeah, it's a tiny nation. I get all of that. But in intelligence world, man, slick operation. Yeah. Problem was it was revealed, right? Now, once it's blown, the problem we have with whistleblowers in this country is we're not punishing the people that had the whistle blown on them. We're punishing the referee. Well, well not the referee, the whistleblower, essentially. That's why it's called Which it. makes no sense to me. No, it doesn't. So the problem with Witness K is, and also with McBride, with David McBride, turns out it wasn't so much that he, as we discussed in the episode when we had him in, it wasn't so much the fact that war crimes were being committed. perpetrated. Yep. Committed. It was the fact that the way defence was being run, uh, yep. he found was it's inappropriate. It's it's actually it's as he put it, it's being run by like the mafia. So the thing is, these people that are like pointing out that we have major flaws in our mm. our government are the ones being punished. The mm. other one I can't remember his name, but he's he blew the whistle on tax. Yeah. The reason this is being heavily hit is it's not a national like yeah the war crimes it's not good, but it's not a national security thing, and it was well known. In fact, it's been documented that there were American officers that were writing up stuff about the SAS going. I don't know what's going on with these Australians, mm. but they are off the chisane. Yeah. Right? So the whole thing is it was well known and well Okay, documented. P. Diddy. Yo. Chisane. As soon as I started playing Xi Jinping, <laughs> dropping like... doof lines, I just can't resist oh it. Oh, my God. That's how tired I yeah, am. Yeah, you I'm can tell like we're tired teenager. when you're like the chisane. <sighs> the chisane, right? So the whole thing was it wasn't not known. And also when it turns out- Yeah, but like- just because it wasn't not known doesn't mean doesn't mean that someone should not air it out. Exactly. Now, the interesting thing about that as well is, and I've spoken to a friend of mine who uh, who is associated, not mm. a member of, but associated with defence, who said pretty much when he he blew the whistle. Yeah. Right. The defence department went, okay, yeah, yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah, shut up, sit down, sit down. But they also went, we do need to look at this, and they mm. did start an investigation, which of course led to the Burton thing. But the whole thing was there was an investigation, but it wasn't moving fast enough, so he yep. blew the whistle. Now. The thing is, did we need to know? Yeah. And this is what it comes down to. It mm. comes down to the need to know principle, right? And we've discussed it briefly, but let's at length go into it. The need to know means if you don't need to know, you will not be told. Yep. Now, in intelligence security, that's a really important thing. Need to know isn't a classification level, yep. right? I had clearance to top secret and top secret code word. There were yep. certain things that I knew when I worked there and had access to that I worked when I worked there that were incredibly sensitive, 
right? And I could access it. As I said in the Pine Gap episode, the Pine Gap file was right there. I could have pulled it and read it. I didn't because I didn't need to know. Mm. I really wanted to, but I didn't need to. And that's the most important thing. You're only told as much as you need to know to do your job. Right? Yep. Now, in when it comes to need to know in Australia, in a, in a national sense, do we need to know that our soldiers have been committing war crimes? Yes. I think yep. definitely we need to know that. Yes. And it needs to be addressed. And it needs to stop. <laughs> right. Do we need to know what's going on with refugees that are travelling by boat into the country? Uh, what do you right. mean? In what way? Do we need to know if they're coming? Do we need to know if they're coming? Do we need to know what happens to them once they get here? Do we need to know how they're being treated when they're in, say, a refugee well, processing centre? it depends what you're trying to achieve by airing that information. If you're airing that information as a cautionary tale to stop it from happening, mm. then we do. Now, the thing with is with Operation Sovereign Borders, and this is another one where transparency yeah. really went to the wayside. In fact, it was a joke I put up when Peter Dutton started banging on about yeah, because the they Chinese stopped they on. stopped letting people know when it was happening. It's like we don't comment on on, on water matters. Yeah. So you know the Chinese Navy banging away at the Australian Navy. We don't talk about on water matters. I thought Peter. So yeah. that was the policy. We don't yeah, talk but that, about it. I mean that's that's a that's a little bit different. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah I get it. Yeah. It's a specious argument for me to make, but yeah. it was a joke on Twitter. Yeah. Right. So the whole thing is <laughs> you're like it worked on Twitter, so I'm bringing it here. It's on Twitter, I'll just give it a shot. <laughs> right. No, 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 not quite that, mate. But that also comes down to something like the Department of Home Affairs. Yeah. Now, Home Affairs has become this juggernaut department. Mike Pizzullo's out and a former spy could be in, Stephanie Foster. Mm -hmm. What's her background? Yeah. So she is, she's the one who helped Scott Morrison be sworn into multiple ministries. So (laughs) we we love, we love that for her. We love that for her. But apparently she's, she's really good and she's, she's facing Senate estimates on the day that this kind of comes out. Yeah. She's basically been tasked with, well, potentially tasked with cleaning it up. Well, interesting enough, the fact that she helped Scott Morrison sign up to multiple ministries is really good because essentially that's what the Home Affairs Department is, multiple ministries that have all been folded into one big one. Now, here's the thing. Okay, so she's a renowned Francophile. She was awarded the French Officer de l'Ordre for her work strengthening Australia's defence relationship with France. Oh, that is good. And then we'd stop buying their submarines and then we'd lack their medal back. She speaks French so fluently she has at times amused colleagues by asking what's the English word for that. (laughs) (laughs) She began her public service career in 1987 as a graduate trainee in the then Defence Signals Directorate. Ooh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she spent the next 16 years as an analyst and manager. Okay, all right. So she's she's well versed. So she knows what she's doing, yeah. Now, yeah, interesting enough, she started in the Defence Signals Directorate. Mm. Defence Signals Directorate is no longer part of the Defence Department. It's actually, right. well, it's a statutory agency attached to right. it now. It's become its own its own body, which makes yeah. a lot of sense. Now, the thing is, the Department of Home Affairs, funnily enough, was not an idea the Liberal Party liked at all. Yeah. It was proposed by Kim Beasley back in something like 2004. Yeah. And then John Howard just turned around and went, don't be stupid, that would be unwieldy and we can't use it. And then successive... Liberal prime ministers have gone. No, 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 no. We don't. Look, this is a bad idea. And mm. then when Kevin Rudd came in, he went, "Yeah, we're going to drop this idea of a Home Affairs Department." To which Malcolm Turnbull immediately turned around and went, "Oh, broken promise. It's like, you didn't want it in the first place." Yeah. Right. But then Mark Pasulo was the basically the driving force behind it mm. to create a power base for himself. I think more than anything, the problem with Home Affairs is it's unwieldy. 
Yeah. It's really big and you've got one failure point and one minister who's got oversight over all of these various things. And it's ASIO, it's the AFP, it's you know, it's And it's the exact security. reason why we didn't want Mike Pizzullo in charge. Exactly. Now we're going to we see what happens with Stephanie. We're not exactly sure what's going to happen. But the whole thing is it would be a good idea in my view to take say, an ASIO, like a department like ASIO or an mm. organisation like ASIO and put it back where it belongs, put it back with – Attorney General. Yeah. Now, because, you know, there's a lot of things that ASIO do that, yes, they relate to the Home Affairs Department, but it's not exactly where they should be living. Right. Right. So this is the thing that we've got is we've got this enormous department that seems to be controlling all of our national security. Yeah. Right. And in that, again, it becomes this amorphous and very opaque as opposed to transparent organization that we try we can't get information out of. So, you know, our FIOS, FOI system is broken. And also the public service, the other problem we've got with our intelligence and national security is the fact that we've now got all of these public-private partnerships. Yep. That's really made it Especially difficult. Especially in third world countries. Well, not just that. I mean, the public-private in Australia, the problem mm. with that is we then a lot of it becomes commercial incompetence. I'm sorry, we're dealing with a private company and yeah, that's so we can't bus- we can't possibly It's actually their business. And it's like, well, it's actually our business as well. Yeah. Right? And uh, one of the things that has come up as probably the most important reason for why Governments are so, or at least the Australian government at the moment, all of them, our successive governments have been so gun-shy of transparency, is embarrassment. Yeah. A lot of what's coming out isn't really hugely national security critical. Mm. Like, So Witness K is a really good example. And for those of you who don't know, Quick Pracy, ASUS basically went into the cabinet rooms in Timor, filled it with bugs. So when the Timorese were discussing the trade agreement they were trying to build up for the Sunrise oil and gas fields just off their coast, the Australians knew exactly what they were yeah, going to do. Yeah, we had a leg up. We, we had knew a leg it was up. going up. On, but it's also like why would we try to take advantage of a country that's a little economically less than uh, yeah, us? Well, I'm not going to talk about the minister in charge that wound up getting a job with the organisation yes. that was to most benefit yes. from it. And that's, yeah. that's something for There's the NACC. There's always something like that. There's, that's something for the NACC to deal with. Because it makes no sense do. to me why we would want to do that. Or like we risk. want to do it because it's profit. It's money. I know, but risk relations over something that's a little innocuous in yeah. my in my mind. Incredibly innocuous. and But as I said earlier, mm. As intelligence operations go, dude, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Yeah. The problem being there was somebody in that organisation that that grew a moral spine and went, no, this is uncalled for. This yeah. is unconscionable yeah. and it's got to be revealed. So it was revealed. Now, there are checks and balances, particularly with electronic surveillance, is like the government can't just tap your phone. Yeah. They can't just put a bug in your house. If yeah. They, like, yeah, we can put a bug in your embassy. Right, mm. we can put a bug in your cabinet rooms, but for them to bug us, that's a bit more difficult. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of legislation that controls this, and there are other things that control it. We've got Senate estimates. Yeah. We also have the Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence Security. That's another important body that's going to oversee it, but they don't actually oversee operations, right? The people that oversee the operations are basically the Attorney General. Uh, well, it was the Attorney General. I think the person who signs off on the warrants now, it probably would be the Attorney General or the Minister for Home Affairs. And then the other thing is 
Stuff like, and we discussed it before we came in, royal commissions. Royal commissions are such a waste of time. Yep. Now, we always talk about a royal commission being a waste of time. It's now, a waste it, of time and a waste of money. Nothing ever comes out of it. All right. Okay. Backing it up right now. And this is where we get to ASIO. We, 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 I mean, things come out of it, but nothing like gets actioned. Ah, now that's the interesting point. The the two royal commissions, the Hope Royal Commissions into ASIO, mm. one was around about 1974 and I think the other one was 1976. I can't remember when they exactly were, but they're yep. basically two royal commissions back looking to at back. ASIO. Well, they had to because basically we had the first Royal Commission and I think the second one came after the mm. the Lionel Murphy raid. We will look at Lionel Murphy. We're going to do a bite size about okay. that because it's a fun little story. But essentially what happened was they basically looked at the legislation that controlled ASIO mm. and realised, hang on, there's a major problem here. There's a lot of stuff that's not missing. Now, I went and looked. ASIO was being dictated by the ASIO Act 1954. Okay. Right. So we're in so the a little se- outdated. Little outdated. Now put it this way: security means the protection of the Commonwealth and t- the territories of the Commonwealth from acts of espionage, sabotage, or subversion. Okay. That's it. That was it. That was it. There was right. nothing. And subversion. What's subversion? Even subversion. Mean? Well, sort of like trying to change Subvert. the government. Yeah. Right. So change the government, whether directed from or intended to be committed within the Commonwealth or not. That was it. Okay. The rest of the act, which is only about four pages long, ah, 1956, not 1954, mm. the rest of the act is basically determining how the staff get paid. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's that just screams government agency. So we had an, a government agency, and yeah. remember, this is through the Menzies period as well, a government agency that had very little like legislative oversight being run by a, a former brigadier who was in the position for a long, long time, almost yeah. as long as Menzies was prime minister. Yeah. So this was an organisation that got very, very caught in the weeds. You know, communism was the big problem. Mm. They weren't looking at other things. Things like Croatian, Serbian terrorism that was growing in Australia, that was being ignored, yeah. all this sort of stuff. And they basically had a royal commission and the royal commission turned around and went, you need new re- legislation. Before mm. we go any further, you need to rewrite the law that actually dictates how this organisation works. Yeah. That was one of the most positive responses to come out of any Royal Commission that I know of because they actually literally changed the internal workings of an entire intelligence organisation, which is a really important thing. Which is so rare for a Royal Commission. It is, right? now (laughs) For actionable things to come out of it. Yeah. Now, ASIO has gone through, like, there have been major changes since I worked there. There have been major changes. The Cold War ended. The war on terror began. A lot of legislation came in around that, around terrorism. I mean, a lot lot of that stuff had to really kind of, like – like change quite rapidly as yeah, well. There was, and this it was is quite the, a fluid situation. Very fluid. But one of the interesting things was a lot of this legislation that came in was not being debated. Mm. It was literally being passed in hours through yep. the parliament. There was a classic organ, uh, moment where- Which is kind of wh- where people kind of get a little frightened when things have to just get pushed through parliament without any kind of massive oversight. Yeah. Well, there, there's a great example where they had to change the word A to the word the yeah. in the ASIO Act. And basically it was right at the time- it was the Liberal government. It was, I think, Philip Ruddock was the Attorney General at the time, still in control of ASIO. We've got to change this. It's really important. Mm. Just at the time where the Labor Party were scrutinising this very dodgy government payment to an organisation, and it was literally they knew if we do something with the ASIO Act, mm. Kim Beasley will look the other way. Yeah, he'll he'll be really you know as my as Charles Firth from the Chaser put it, he went Kim Beasley would go, oh, there's a problem. What do I get a gun? Right. So there was that. They they played this mm. legislation. The problem with a lot of the legislation now is it's being used outside of its remit. Yeah. Right. So terrorist legislation is being used to like 
oh, we're, we're allowed to go and raid a, a journalist's office. That sort of thing is going on. Now, after those raids, the Attorney Generals and then the Home Affairs Ministers mm. all said, well, you're not allowed to investigate journalists or prosecute journalists without my permission. Yeah. That, that's just a personal permission. That's not actually legislated. Mm. And that's the thing. We have the most complicated national security legislation in the world, in yep. the Western world, yep. right? On the flip of that, we are one of the only liberal democracies on the planet with no Bill of Rights. Our, our rights are implied. They're not ex explicit. They're implicit mm. in that there is no right to free speech. It's kind of implied in the Constitution in that we have free and fair elections. Yeah, I mean, but we want free speech. I think we've spoken about this. We want people to be able to voice how they're feeling because when, even if we disagree with it, it gives us an idea of what they're thinking. What they're thinking and it's where they're going. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, what was the word you just used there at the end? Transparent. Transparent. That is transparent, yes. Right. But this is the thing. Transparency is a game. It's, it's something you mm. can game. And I think this is one of the problems we've it's, got. It's is a we've got... game that our government doesn't like to play. No, no government really likes to play transparency because, one, it's embarrassing. Mm. And, two, I mean, it's that, that concept of you know, democracy thrives with a free press and an engaged citizenry. Yeah, and I think that that's key because people often talk about this whole Murdoch kind of running of press in, in Australia and, you know, I don't think that that's a fact. I think that people get the press they deserve. I think mm. that Australians aren't incredibly engaged or as engaged as they should be in the news process. That, but, Well, not just the news process. They're but not in, engaged in the government process In the process government either. process, which is ironic considering from the age of 18 we are forced to kind of have an idea of who we want to vote for and exactly. what we want to do. But I do think that a lot of people – and younger people are becoming a bit more engaged. Mind you, they're learning it all on TikTok and you can't trust what the algorithm is feeding you at all times. I mean, God, Osama bin Laden letter is got up on TikTok and had 15 million views and everyone's questioning American foreign policy because yeah. Osama bin Laden wrote a letter. It's like, okay, he's also a crazy man. So I think that is changing, but Australians overall, I don't find extremely engaged. No, they're not. I would totally agree with that. Australians are not engaged politically mm. and, and that is a major problem. But the other thing is our governments aren't going to encourage them to get engaged unless they want to get them engaged on a single issue. Yeah, and I mean that's something the Liberal Party is actually – they did this whole um, internal kind of look into the failings of the last election and they're looking at like where they're losing people and it's like yeah. young, it's women. Yeah. So they have to now make a conscious effort to re-engage kind of that demographic. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So the, the reason we lack transparency mm. is, and I think, I, I do think it's something to do with our social psychology, you know, the, the psychology of the Australian person, the Australian personality. Mm. I mean, we can make the joke that we're all convicts and we're used to being told what to do. But there is, I think, there is a an interesting sense of duty within yeah. the Australian population. We have a, a, and also that sense of duty means don't question what our government tells us. Mm. Uh, I think we do tend to be somewhat sanguine in the way we approach it. Yeah. And I think we do need to be more proactive in how we actually react to what our government's doing and also hold them to account. Yes. Right. And that comes down to the fourth estate, your area, journalism. Yeah. That's an incredibly important part of it. Yeah. But like we're not given, easily given the tools to hold them to account by, because of the lack of this freedom of yeah, information. Exactly. Right. So essentially, bottom line, what I'm trying to say, the whole- what 
What are you trying to say? The whole thing was it was disingenuous for Peter Dutton to get up in Parliament and say, we demand you tell us what happened in the sidelines because we all deserve to. We all need to know. We're actually. Oh, I mean, let's be real. It's just a It's just a way to like needle yeah. in at him. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, it's totally a needle. It's, it's, I mean, it's it's good politi- political it's movements. Fodder. Yeah, it's great fodder. Now, what's interesting is on this, just on that little event. Mm. Um, we know we we want you to turn around and tell Xi that we're going to shirt front him. I mean, how well did that work out for Tony Abbott? I'm going to shirt front Putin. No, you're not. Now, here's the thing: the United States. There but is the a, memes that we got out of that oh, was so God, good. Yeah, be the memes were the best. The meme industry just went I through know, the roof. Especially now, him riding a horse. Rear Admiral a shirt on. Mike yeah. Studerman. Yeah. Rear Admiral Mike Studerman, who is the uh, commander of the Office of Naval Intelligence, he had an audience with the Sea Air Space Exposition, yeah. and he made, made a speech where he basically said that he believes that Xi Jinping has pretty much lost control of the grey zone. Tactics that they're using. The what? The, oh, sorry, the grey zone. Thank you. <laughs> tactics. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to throw this out there. Henry Kissinger died. Oh. At last, he's gone. Uh, <laughs> 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 we'll talk about Kissinger. No, no, no. So Studeman basically said that the you know the Chinese mm. grey zone uh, yeah. harassment tactics that have been used by you know the Chinese Navy and mm. also their grey zone fleet yeah. uh, against the Philippines and the Vietnamese and stuff like that they've and also US and Australian warships as we've seen right they they're sort of beginning to believe that basically the navy are working on their own it's not coming out of Beijing it's basically Chinese the PLA going yeah. screw it let's just make it hard for anyone who comes to the South China Sea and it's an interesting point if cuz that also comes back to this thing mm. you know what did you say on the sidelines Xi Jinping you know if he went Look, I, sp- I spoke to Xi and he basically said that he doesn't know what's going on. That's not what Xi wants out there. Xi wants everyone to know that he's totally in control mm. of this situation. Yes. He might have stood there and gone, bro, I'm really sorry. It was never meant to happen. But then that makes everyone question how much power and control he has yep. over what's going on. So, look, bottom line. Uh, what is the bottom line? The bottom line is, what man, is it? we're probably the loudest voice sort of calling the intelligence community to account. Yeah. And I'm loving doing it. Okay, that's good. Right. We got there in the end. If you get arrested, I'm really sorry. If I get arrested, it's just another day at the office. I'm not going to get arrested. I know, it'll just be me. Yep. You're going to go witness on me, aren't you? Yep. Oh, shit, I'm in trouble. <laughs> 